All right, welcome. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show. Welcome, Peter. Let's share this thing out. It's Friday night. We're going to talk about the law of one. I missed last week. This time last week, I was in the hospital. Had to dial 911. I had had, <coughs> for more than a week, diverticulitis flare-up. That wasn't why I went to the hospital, but I had that going on at the same time. Then I was taking antibiotics. I didn't have much of an appetite, so I think what happened was I had a reaction to the antibiotics. And I ended up with the hiccups. And I think that was due to my acid reflux. And I had the hiccups. It started at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they continued for more than 15 hours. I could not get them to go away no matter what I did. Okay, now, I don't know if you've ever hiccuped for more than a few minutes at a time, but when you hiccup, your entire body jolts, all your muscles flex for like a half second, right? So when it's out of control, it's not just a mild little hiccup, right? It starts becoming a loud, really loud gasp. And that went on for more than 15 hours. So finally, I decided I needed to call 911. I had to call my relatives because I'm my mother's caregiver, right? So I couldn't just leave 76-year-old Alzheimer's patients sitting at home by herself not knowing what's going on as I leave. As it was, it turned out that it was that way. You know, I left, and my sister got here a couple of minutes later, so she didn't see myself or the EMTs because we drove out the other direction. And I didn't know that my sister got here, but when, later when we discussed it, we figured that out. So my mom had said, I don't know where Leonard is. He left with a bunch of guys. Right? That's That was the story. So she had no idea what was going on. And because this is what makes things crazier, because I was so out of it for that entire day with the hiccups, I forgot to give my mom her pills. So... She was telling my sister, you are not my daughter, and I'm not going with you anywhere, and you need to leave. So that was going on while I was at the hospital. I was being texted. My sister was texting me, telling me what was happening, and that her mom was not acknowledging her and were, was telling her to leave and get out of the house. <laughs> right? So that was my Friday in the emergency room. And then finally, I got the air to come up out of my diaphragm by gagging. Uh, and, and the whole time I had this nasty taste in my stomach. So I'm sure it was the antibiotics. I stopped taking them at that point, and I haven't taken any since. Now, my diverticulitis has subsided, and I still don't have regular uh, you know, bowel movement. It's still loose to this day, a week later. And today's the first day I didn't need painkillers because every single muscle that I owned was pulled, was sore. Uh, in fact, I was seizing on Friday, last Friday, uh, because of uh, of that happening over and over and over, uh, convulsing, that my muscles literally would lock up. I went to move. to I didn't have a jacket when I was leaving the hospital. I forgot to do that on the way out. My sister forgot to bring one because she was concerned about my mom. I'm getting in the car, and I literally seized. My arm seized, and it hurt. It was just, like, literally flexed out of my control, like as if you're, you know, being electrocuted, only you don't have that sensation 
and my hand, my arm seized, and it hurt because the muscles were, were seizing because of so much hiccups and how they seized each time. So that was, oh, it just sucked. Everything I owned except for my toes and my ears hurt after that. So I spent the entire week recuperating from that. And I just have been able to swallow uh, uh, food. I, I couldn't eat solid food for the first three days. I was drinking chicken broth. Because, as you can imagine, if you're hiccuping, that gets in your esophagus and it also hits your diaphragm. So the trap door that goes from your, from your pipe going down your throat to your stomach has been trying to be bursting open the opposite direction. Which, anybody who has uh, um, acid reflux, you know that you get those internal hiccups. So imagine that for 15 straight hours happening to you. Um, so it hurt when I ate. I had to take small bites. And I had to reintroduce myself to uh, solid food. And that's just crazy. And then I wasn't hungry for a few days. And then uh, then I got hungry. <laughs> then I got hungry. I had a sandwich on Monday or Tuesday. And it was a turkey, ham, and cheese sandwich with ranch and mustard and it was the best sandwich I ever had in my life <laughs> I was like I guess when you're starving everything tastes really fucking good okay guys so that's enough of that sorry but I had to tell you what happened that's why I wasn't on the air last Friday and I haven't been on the air since I have been uh, recovering from being in the hospital okay so Welcome to those of you who are out there, right? Julie, welcome. Peter, welcome. Anybody else that uh, I don't know that's out there, please share this so we can get some more people. Uh, today we're going to do the Law of One again, and we're on session 81. We finished two weeks ago on the 30th uh, with like a question four or something, but I decided to go back to the very beginning of that session, uh, the you know, back up four questions, just because the, the questions all kind of pertain. So to pick it up at like question four, five, or six, uh, he's asking questions about what just happened, and, and right or they, I shouldn't say. I should say he, as in the questioner, but you know, talking to Rob A. Okay, so well, I guess I could turn my camera on, right? Sorry, I didn't realize I wasn't paying attention. I was looking at the camera, thinking it was on, and I didn't look at the monitor to find out that my camera wasn't on. And I just now looked down at the chat that I'm using my phone over here for the for the other monitor, even though I have one in the background over here for the studio. And I have one in the studio. <laughs> right. I should say, I have one monitoring the live feed down here. And then I have the studio, which is my camera, which you guys see. And then I have over here. So there's me. Namaste. My Santa beard is coming in nice, right? Started it early this year, so it looks more like a real Santa beard. Let me remove the microphone from my face so you can see it. Those of you who are listening on the MP3 broadcast, you can't see that at all, and I feel sorry for you because that's a great Santa beard. Okay, and it's my real beard, and I don't have to dye it. I lost all the color in my beard when I was in my 40s, and that's a genetic thing. My father was the same way. By the time he was 45, his beard was completely white as well. So, you know, we're destined to be Santa Claus. My uncle, in fact, played Santa Claus most of his life because we're destined to look like Santa. They draw pictures of us. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, the law of one, let's go ahead and get right into that. Like I said, this is session uh, 81. Let me switch the camera here to that. Now you're seeing the studio, right? There you go. Now you'll see. Now you see that. Take that. 
Okay, so I'm going to go full screen here. For those of you who have video, you can read along with the, the stuff that's on there. Uh, those of you who don't, you can just hear the audio, and some people don't really, it doesn't really matter to them. They just listen to the audio anyways. So let me go over here and go full screen. And we shall begin our Friday, the Law of One. Oh, I need to turn the sound back up. Hold on, let me go out of full screen. I turn the sound down because that's that music that comes on is... is um, really loud my intro so i turn the sound down in studio and your feed and then i let me make sure i did that too yes and then i turn your feed back up for raw because raw comes in stereo and it, it comes in very in the background if if i don't do that and you guys don't hear it very well karen welcome what are you guys saying here in the chat the world's gone mad. America trying to sort out the president. Yeah, right. And the way we, the way I see it is, is uh, you know we're going to, going about Good Friday, right? Agreement. Oh, and today's Friday the thirteenth too. For those of you who are superstitious, Friday the thirteenth. Um. And Friday the thirteenth is has nothing to do with bad luck or anything like that, guys. I've done the shows on this. It has to do with the Temple Knights, and uh, it was October. Friday the 13th, um, back in, um, what was the year, 10, oh, 12, 10 or something like that. I, I can't remember the exact year. Anyways, Friday the 13th was the day that the Pope in, in Rome and the King in France set a deal together to attack and arrest all the Temple Knights worldwide at the exact same time. And that way they could get back to all of the wealth and land that the Temple Knights owned because they owned more wealth and land in Europe and around the world than the Pope and the King of France combined. So if your name was on the list and you were one of the unlucky ones on Friday the 13th, and it was a October Friday the 13th, um, then you were. So today's the actual anniversary uh, of that because this is a, we're in November. So it was on October. So we actually did a show about that on the actual uh, October, Friday the 13th, uh, and did a three-hour show where I, I had uh, a couple people on, guests, and we talked about the Temple Knights and all of that. Okay, so has nothing to do with any other kind of superstition whatsoever. All right, here we go. So the Law of One, uh, this is Session 81, March 22nd, 1982. Let's go ahead and start. I am Ra. I greet you in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. We communicate now. Question 81.1 Questioner, could you first tell me the condition of the instrument? Answer, I am Ra. The physical complex energy is in deficit at this particular space-time nexus due to prolonged psychic accentuation of pre-existing distortions. The remainder of the energy complex levels are as previously stated. Question 81.2 Questioner, is this the reason for the instrument's feeling of uninterrupted weariness? Answer, I am Ra. There are portions of your space-time in which this may be said to be symptomatic of the psychic greeting reaction. However, the continual weariness is not due to psychic greeting but is rather an inevitable consequence of this contact. Question 81.3 Questioner, why is this an inevitable consequence? What is the mechanism of this contact that creates this weariness? Answer, I am Ra. 
The mechanism creating weariness is the connection betwixt the density wherein this instrument's mind, body, spirit complex is safely kept during these workings and the altogether variant density in which the instrument's physical body complex resides at this space-time. As the instrument takes on more of the coloration of the resting density the third density experience seems more heavy and wearisome. This was accepted by the instrument, as it desired to be of service. Therefore, we accept also this effect about which nothing of which we are aware may be done. Question 81.4 Questioner, is the effect a function of the number of sessions, and has it reached a peak level or will it continue to increase in effect? Answer, I am Ra. This wearying effect will continue but should not be confused with the physical energy levels, having only to do with the, as you would call it, daily round of experience. In this sphere those things which are known already to aid this instrument will continue to be of aid. You will, however, notice the gradual increase in transparency, shall we say, of the vibrations of the instrument. Question 81.5 I kind of let that run because we had gone through all that at the end of the last session. <clears throat> so instead of stopping that and talking about that at all, I just let it run. All right, so here we go. Questioner, I didn't understand what you meant by that last statement. Could you explain it? Answer, I am Ra. Weariness of the time-space nature may be seen to be that reaction of transparent or pure vibrations with impure, confused, or opaque environs. Question 81.6 Questioner, is there any of this effect upon the other two of us in this group? Answer, I am Ra. This is quite correct. Question 81.7. Question. See, this actually shows that Don, the questioner here at this point, obviously is not a transmuter of energy of any kind, right? Those of us who, you know, if you um, are a magic user or if you are a spellcaster or if you are a meditator or if you are a visualizer, anybody who transmutes energy for a purpose, we all know that you get worn down. It wears on you. It takes a toll on you when you do that. Okay? Everything is a trade-off in the universe. So what you can do to protect yourself is to borrow energy to store up to begin with. You borrow, draw energy from the universe itself and around you, which is what they do when they generate the energy because of the three of them being a group. He just doesn't understand that, and so Ra's there trying to explain that to him, okay? Everything you do, the food that you eat, right? That's why we, call, we have Ascension food these days. The food that you eat, the practice, the, the music you listen to, what you watch on television, everything affects your vibration. That affects your intention, and that affects your energy level. And, and you should know that by now. If you don't, pay a lot of attention to that. That's why sometimes people say, oh, they're dabbling in something they don't understand. They're going to bite off more than they can chew because what's happening is you're expanding your movement or your energy transmuting transmutation into a realm that you don't understand that has ramifications. Okay? And when you do that and you move, your vibration moves to a higher plane, you become more visible. Okay? Bad energy sees you because you're brighter. You're vibrating at a higher octave. You become more apparent. You become more of a target. 
Do you understand? That was, uh, I made two videos, Defense Against the Dark Arts 1 and 2. Not Hogwarts. Reality. Okay? So you can see that in his question. He's definitely a nuclear physicist. But he's probably one of those people, you know, that, that those people at Hogwarts would call a muggle. Right? I call him, un, a mun, you know, someone who's mundane. They, it's, most scientists don't believe in anything um, spiritual. And that's why science will never, ever, ever, ever exp uh, uh, explain the universe. Never. Because the universe in and of itself is spiritual. It is alive. Okay, and the first thing you need to understand is that. Once you get that into your little pea brain, scientists, mainstream, and you actually get that concept, they'll do a lot better. But they refuse. Everything has tangible reason, like a piece of wood. If you chop the tree down, it never moves again. It just sits there on whatever you make it out of it forever until it decays. And that's it. No more vibration. No more life. It's dead. It's not true. Okay. Then we would also experience the uninterrupted weariness as a consequence of the contact. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. The instrument, by the very nature of the contact, bears the brunt of this effect. Each of the support group, by offering the love and the light of the one infinite creator and unqualified support in these workings and in energy transfers for the purpose of these workings, experiences between 10 and 15 percent, roughly, of this effect. It is cumulative and identical in the continual nature of its manifestation. Question 81.8 .8. Questioner, what could be the result of this continued wearying effect after a long period? Answer, I am Ra. You ask a general query with infinite answers. We shall overgeneralize in order to attempt to reply. One group might be tempted and thus lose the very contact which caused the difficulty. So the story would end. Another group might be strong at first but not faithful in the face of difficulty. Thus the story would end. Another group might choose the path of martyrdom in its completeness and use the instrument until its physical body complex failed from the harsh toll demanded when all energy was gone. This particular group, at this particular nexus, is attempting to conserve the vital energy of the instrument. It is attempting to balance love of service and wisdom of service, and it is faithful. Okay, yeah, I want to stop there and because Karen, I was I was not looking at the chat right that second. Now I am. When I was talking about trees, um, and here's something that Karen has said, two remarks that Karen has said that I, that I want to get on the air for those of you on the MP3 uh, um, portion of the podcast. You can't read this chat. All right, so Karen says, Karen Cox, she says, uh, trees lend and give you energy when you ask. Be grateful for, right? Trees and other things can tell you things that have happened. All answers are here in our in our Taurus field. That's the Taurus, the T-O-R-U-S field. Uh, past, present, and future. Absolutely. See, Karen, you, I should have you on and do a show with you. Because of, because you know as much, and if not more, than I do about what's going on in the universe. And, guys, it, that's the truth. Now, if you go back in time, the, the Druids of, of the past, those... Those, you know, those heathens, according to the modern uh, Catholic Christian church, Judean, Western Judean, Judeo-Christian church, uh, 
you know, those people didn't know what they were doing. The religion of my people is like 10,000, 100,000 years older than Jesus. Okay? So the problem is that no one wrote anything down over in Europe for a long, long time. The Celts didn't write anything down. They, didn't, they had a written language that they didn't teach anyone. It was, uh, I believe they pronounced it Ogum. And they didn't teach anyone. So it's gone to an, into obscurity, kind of, like the uh, Futhark of the Vikings. Kind of into obscurity. And their folklore wasn't really told about. Uh, and it's, people are learning it because they're telling it uh, down through the, the ages now and reprinting it. But, uh, I mean, to the point where we call that group of people the Celts, you know, Celtic people, or Celtic if you're Scottish, which is that's the wrong way of saying it. Um, that's not what the, the word comes from. Not the word Celtoi by the, by the Greeks. It comes from the word Keltoi by the Greeks, which meant those people who live up there who are not Greek, kind of like Franks to the French, right? The Franks don't just mean the French, right? Franks means anyone who's white that is European, according to Arabs. Okay, so it was a derogatory term that they used, but they didn't even know what to call them. So that is the only reason we know we call them anything is because the Greeks had a word to describe who they were. And that's what stuck. So we call them the Celts or the Celtic people. So for those of you who have that that Scottish, um, you know, Celtic, like they have in the Boston Celtics, you know, I'm sorry, but you're saying it wrong. And you know, I, I'm just that's just the truth of it. You know, that'd be like you know saying my name is you know I'm I'm an uh, American. No, I'm not. I'm an American, right? Right. I'm from California. No, I'm from California, right? So just because you want to say it differently, uh, he's from California. Just because you want to say it differently doesn't mean that that word is actually the word that you're saying. Okay. Just wanted to correct that. Because it bugs me when people go, no, that's Celtic. And I'm like, no, that word is pronounced wrong. <laughs> that's Scottish Gaelic. And that word is pronounced wrong from its base root advent, uh, advent by the Greeks. That'd be like saying that the Greeks are jeeks. They're jeeks. Right? Uh, they're jeeks. They're not Greek. They're Jeek. Okay, it doesn't work that way. Okay, so I wanted to read what she had said. What does Peter say here? Peter says, uh, oh, yeah, you had to, I had to stop helping people. Serenity, if it's uh, taking a lot over me, spiritual healers, and the, yeah, you had to stop making me. Well, that, see, that's what happens. It was making him sick, kind of like Edward Casey. Uh, that, that does happen, bro. If you overtax yourself. Um, then it'll start making you sick. And people will take advantage of you, and they'll, they'll bleed you like a vampire. They'll take everything they can from you and leave you with nothing. They treat you like pirates, you know, take everything and give nothing back. So you guys have to be aware of that, and that's kind of what he's talking about here. Let's go ahead and get back into this and let that play, right? Faithful to the service in the face of difficulty. Temptation has not yet ended this group's story. We may not know the future, but the probability of this situation continuing over a relatively substantial period of your space-time is large. The significant factor is the will of the instrument and of the group to serve. That is the only cause for balancing the slowly increasing weariness which will continue to distort your perceptions. Without this will the contact might be possible but finally seem too much of an effort. Question 81.9 Questioner the instrument would like to know why she has a feeling of increased vital energy? Answer, I am Ra. 
we leave this answer to the instrument. Question 81.10. Questioner, she would like to know if she has an increased sensitivity to foods. Answer, I am Ra. This instrument has an increased sensitivity to all stimuli. It is well that it use prudence. Question 81.11. Questioner, going back to the previous session, picking up on the tenth archetype, which is the catalyst of the body, the wheel of fortune represents interaction with other selves. Is this a correct statement? Answer, I am Ra. This may be seen to be a roughly correct statement in that each catalyst is dealing with the nature of those experiences entering the energy web and vibratory perceptions of the mind, body, spirit complex. The most carefully noted addition would be that the outside stimulus of the wheel of fortune is that which offers both positive and negative experience. Question 81.12 Questioner the eleventh archetype would then be the experience of the body which represents the catalyst which has been processed by the mind, body, spirit complex and is called the enchantress because it produces further seed for growth. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. This is correct. And all of this that we're going through now is the precursor. These are these descriptions of what you're getting here of the archetypes literally is the basis for the tarot cards. Okay, so everything that they're describing here, and I think I said this before, um, in fact, um, Bryce, who's not here right now, he might pop in later, hope he does, um, he actually went, and he and I were talking about this, because the um, Don, as we go here, he'll start asking uh, how to draw the original deck that they, that Raw brought and gave to humans, and he uh, describes what it looks like, and uh, Bryce went online and looked to see if he could find a deck that was the ancient Egyptian deck, and he found one. So I, I'm hoping that he and I can compare uh, his deck card by card when uh, Ra starts uh, discussing the cards card by card and describing everything that you see on each card uh, to find out how much of a difference between the one that they're selling these days uh, because I was under the impression that Don was going to try and recreate one, and I don't know why if he made it that he didn't try to sell it to somebody. Right, because if you're trying to make the original deck that someone claims is the original advent of the tarot cards, you would want to get that out there to the world. I mean, they wrote the books, right? Question eighty one point one three. Questioner, we have already discussed the significator, so I will skip number thirteen. The transformation of the body is called death. For with death, welcome, Kevin. Welcome, buddy. If the body is transformed to a higher vibrational body for additional learning. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. This is correct and may be seen to be additionally correct in that each moment and certainly each diurnal period of the bodily incarnation offers death and rebirth to one which is attempting to use the catalyst which is offered it. Question 81.14 Okay, and why is this stuff important, right? Some of you might actually be asking that. Most of you who are here in the audience that I know, you're not asking that because you know the answer to that. Okay, this stuff is important because each of these archetypes and each of the things that these archetypes do, which are, end up being um, re-represented as tarot cards, those things are all aspects of us. Moreover, all aspects of our ego and our 
I guess you, your consciousness or super consciousness. So everything that is in what would be the catalyst to experience falls under one or more of those categories at all times. Depending on your mindset at the time, it will be the determination of how each of those archetypes affect you individually or all at once at the same time and to what degree. So it's important to have these in your mind or at least know what they are, just like it is important to know what the chakra points are, the colors of the chakras and what they do. Because all of that is another octave of the vibration that creates this reality that you're perceiving in this avatar. And the laws by which this place that you're in is being governed. Do you understand? With the freedom of having any and all experience to any and all possible levels. All at the same time. And more. Questioner. Finally, the 14th. The way of the body is called the alchemist because there is an infinity of time for the various bodies to operate within to learn the lessons necessary for evolution. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. This is less than completely correct as the great way of the body must be seen, as are all the archetypes of the body, to be a mirror image of the thrust of the activity of the mind. The body is the creature of the mind and is the instrument of manifestation for the fruits of mind and spirit. Therefore, you may see the body as providing the Athana asterisk through which the alchemist manifests gold. Asterisk Athana, an oven, a fire, a digesting furnace, formerly used in alchemy, so constructed as to maintain a uniform and constant heat. Question 81.15 Questioner, I have guessed that the way to enter into a better comprehension of the archetypes is to compare what we experience now, after the veil, with what was experienced prior to that time, starting possibly as far back as the beginning of this octave of experience, to see how we got into the condition that we are in now. If this is agreeable I would like to retreat to the very beginning of this octave of experience to investigate the conditions of mind, body, and spirit as they evolved in this octave. Is this acceptable? Answer, I am Ra. The direction of questions is your provenance. Question 81.16 Questioner, Ra states that it has knowledge of only this octave, but it seems that Ra has complete knowledge of this octave. Can you tell me why this is? Answer, I am Ra. Firstly, we do not have complete knowledge of this octave. There are portions of the seventh density which, although described to us by our teachers, remain mysterious. Secondly, we have experienced a great deal of the available refining catalyst of this octave, and our teachers have worked with us most carefully that we may be one with all, that in turn our eventual returning to the great allness of creation shall be complete. Hmm. Okay, moving on to, to the end of part one, we're going to part two. For those of you on the MP3 file. Question 81.17 Questioner, then Ra has knowledge from the first beginnings of this octave through its present experience and what I might call direct or experiential knowledge through communication with those space-times and time-spaces, but has not yet evolved to or penetrated the seventh level. Is this a roughly correct statement? Answer, I am Ra. 
Yes. Question 81.18. Questioner, why does Ra not have any knowledge of that which was prior to the beginning of this octave? Answer, I am Ra. Let us compare octaves to islands. It may be that the inhabitants of an island are not alone upon a planetary sphere, but if an ocean-going vehicle in which one may survive has not been invented, true knowledge of other islands is possible only if an entity comes among the islanders and says, I am from elsewhere. This is a rough analogy. However, we have evidence of this sort, both of previous creation and creation to be, as we in the stream of space-time and time-space view these apparently non-simultaneous events. Question 81.19 So there's just so much going on in the universe at one particular time, or any particular time, that literally only the one, only the ultimate creator, infinite creator, can keep track or understand or digest all of them at once. Basically, that's what he's saying. There's too much going on, and if you don't go from, like right now, literally, say, you grew up in the United States of America. Okay, other than the news telling you what's going on around the world, you wouldn't know. Back before we had international news, nobody knew. They would get a newspaper, and it would say, you know, a month ago, two months ago, this happened over in Europe. Right, and that's the way it was. That's how atrocities were easily taken care of and covered up because someone could march into a village and obliterate it and no one on the planet would know it even happened until someone went to the village and it wasn't there. And then word started spreading that something happened there. Do you see? Now that happens very, very seldom because we have cameras up your butt everywhere that, that you know, broadcast 24-7 to, to, uh, to everybody in the universe, everybody in the, in the uh, world. Right, so if a bomb goes off in Tel Aviv, there's 47 film footage coverage from 47 angles on 47 cell phones, and it's on the air in less than an hour. Right? Questioner, we presently find ourselves in the Milky Way galaxy. Still, extrapolating out from that, that's just this planet. How many other, you know, what the Star Trek would call an M-class planets, are there in the known universe? Universes. What's going on in all of them? We have no idea, Jack. Why would Ra? Ra's not God. Ra's not the creator. See if some 200 or so billion stars... Well, you know what I mean. On a little teeny, teeny level, we all are. But you get it, right? And there are millions and millions of these large galaxies spread out through what we call space. To Ra's knowledge, can I assume that the number of these galaxies is infinite? Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. This is precisely correct and is a significant point. See? So, let me, since I was cutting that up, let me reread that, right? We, we, we uh, presently, find, presently find ourselves in the Milky Way galaxy of some 200 or so billion stars. And there are millions and millions of these large galaxies, just like the Milky Way, spread out through what we call space. To Ra's knowledge, can I assume that the number of these galaxies is infinite? Question mark. Is this correct? I am Ra. Yes, this is precisely correct and a significant point. Question 81.20 Questioner, the point being that we have unity. 
Is that correct? Answer, I am Ra. You are perceptive. Question 81.21. Questioner, then what portion of these galaxies is Ra aware of? Has Ra experienced consciousness in many other of these galaxies? Answer, I am Ra. No. Question 81.22. Questioner, has Ra experienced or does Ra have any knowledge of any of these other galaxies? Has Ra traveled to, in one form or another, any of these other galaxies? Answer, I am Ra. Yes. Question 81.23. Questioner, it's unimportant, but how many other of these galaxies has Ra traveled to? Answer, I am Ra. We have opened our hearts in radiation of love to the entire creation. Approximately 90% of the creation is at some level aware of the sending and able to reply. All of the infinite logwa are one in the consciousness of love. This is the type of contact which we enjoy rather than travel. Question 81. Right? So think about that. So in a sense you're praying and you're sending out your love and energy to the universe. And then the universe reciprocates it, hears you, and all the people all over everywhere in the universe hears it and sends their love back. I mean, you don't have to go and, like, shake their hand and go, how do you do at that point, right? That's pretty satisfying, I would think. Just saying. Point two four. Questioner, so that I can just get a little idea of what I am talking about, what are the limits of Ra's travel in the sense of directly experiencing or seeing the activities of various places? Is it solely within this galaxy, and if so, how much of this galaxy? Or does it include some other galaxies? Answer, I am Ra. Although it would be possible for us to move at will throughout the creation within this Logos, that is to say, the Milky Way galaxy, so called, we have moved where we were called to service, these locations being, shall we say, local and including Alpha Centauri, planets of your solar system which you call the Sun, Sepius and Zetoreticuli. To these sublogua we have come, having been called. Question 81.25. Questioner, was the call in each instance from the third density beings or was this call from other densities? Answer, I am Ra. In general, the latter supposition is correct. In the particular case of the Sun sublogos, third density is the density of calling. Question 81.26. Questioner, Rathen has not moved at any time into one of the other major galaxies. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. This is correct. Question 81.27. Questioner, does Ra have knowledge of any other major galaxy or the consciousness of anything in that galaxy? Answer, I am Ra. We assume you are speaking of the possibility of knowledge of other major galaxies. There are wanderers from other major galaxies drawn to the specific needs of a single call. There are those among our social memory complex which have become wanderers in other major galaxies. Thus there has been knowledge of other major galaxies, but to one whose personality or mind, body, spirit complex has been crystallized the universe is one place and there is no bar upon travel. However, our interpretation of your query was a query concerning the social memory complex traveling to another major galaxy. We have not done this, nor do we contemplate it, for we can reach in love with our hearts. Question 81.28 Questioner, thank you. 
In this line of questioning I am trying to establish a basis for understanding the foundation for not only the experience that we have now but how the experience was formed and how it is related to all the rest of the experience through the portion of the octave as we understand it. I am assuming, then, that all of these galaxies, this infinite number of galaxies that we can just begin to become aware of with our telescopes are all of the same octave. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. This is correct. Question. See, so now the reality that we perceive in as and in the universe is part of the same octave we're in. So you have to understand that everything that we perceive, the entire universe or the entire galaxy of the Milky Way, the universe that is, you know, the universe is past that. What we perceive is only them in this octave. And we have no idea how many octaves there are, right? Because anybody past the seventh and eighth, they don't talk about, they don't talk to us anymore. So we really don't know how far it goes, how many. So that's kind of crazy if you think about it. All these overlapping vibratory patterns sharing the same space at the same time but completely out of phase with one another. Complete races, like for instance, here we are vibrating at a 3D, third dimensional place. But right now, going on here on this planet, at the exact same time as this third dimensional place, is a fourth dimensional place. Where everything is different because it's no longer just the third dimension. And I don't mean this whole... Sorry, I'm knocking things over here. <laughs> My bad. I don't mean this whole, um, you know, oh, I'm into a 4D and 5D and 6D experience. None of that. None of that. That's all just an octave within this third dimensional place all right i can't wait till everybody's going to you know now that we have 5g everybody's going fat past 5d into 6d when we had 3g everybody was 3d right and, and mirrors everything that's happening on the universe or on the, the internet so yeah sorry I was, I was bumping things and i kicked things over under my desk so if you heard any crash or anything just now, that's what that was. Okay, so that's kind of crazy if you think about that. So everything is a, is a matter of our perspective. We only see what we're meant to see at this particular time and space that we are in and occupy. And we don't get to see everything else until we're ready to see it. Question 81.29. Questioner. I was wondering if some of the wanderers from Ra in going to some of the other major galaxies, that is, leaving this system of some 200 billion stars of lenticular shape and going to another cluster of billions of stars and finding their way into some planetary situation there, would encounter the dual polarity that we have here, the service to self and the service to others polarities. Answer, I am Ra. This is correct. Question 81.30. Questioner. You stated earlier that toward the center of this galaxy is what to use a poor term, you could call the older portion where you would find no service to self-polarization. Am I correct in assuming that this is true with the other galaxies with which wanderers from Ra have experience? 
At the center of these galaxies only the service to others polarity exists and the experiment started farther out toward the rim of the galaxy? Answer, I am Ra. Various logwa and sublogwa had various methods of arriving at the discovery of the efficiency of free will in intensifying the experience of the creator by the creator. However, in each case this has been a pattern. Question 80. See, so, I mean, think about that, right? So, so our reality of free will and the laws that govern that here are not necessarily 100% as what the laws that govern free will are in every place in the universe. And that how they got to that conclusion is all independent to and relative to the area in which it took place. So even getting to even the method of introducing free will was freely given however it would happen. Great idea. 1.31 Questioner, you mean then that the pattern is that the service to self-polarization appeared farther out from the center of the galactic spiral? Answer, I am Ra. This is correct. Question 81.32 Questioner, from this I will assume that from the beginning of the octave we had the core of many galactic spirals forming, and I know that this is incorrect in the sense of timelessness. Oh, I wanted to bring up what Karen said, because you're right, I want to talk about that point. Karen said, from, from her research, if you, get, if you can get past level 7, then you've gotten out of the loop, and then you can get to absolute. And the, and the reason for that, what she's talking about, is not just the... Well, let me explain that, what she's talking about. What she's talking about, like, like the loop that we're in here, continues because whenever you have this dichotomy between good and evil, there's a loop. Do you understand? That, was, that is what was created by free will, by chaos, by all of that, that creates the, the evil people who want to control. And they want to control the narrative, so they want to control the logos, so they control the matrixes, and they create the loop to keep anyone from graduating, to keep everybody as a slave. And she's right. Once you go to the seventh, because halfway through the seventh, is where you you cannot go anymore if you're evil. Period. That is your purgatory. That is your hell. You get to stop there. Whether you like it or not, that's the way it works. Okay, so then once you decide, okay, I've had enough of this, then you go, you know, instantly change. Once you repent, you say, okay, I, I want to have this. And when you're serious about it, it happens. It's not like they make you go through a long time of getting your ass kicked. Right, and, and being somebody's bitch, you just immediately switch, and then you can start going forward and heal. Once you heal and you start moving forward, she's absolutely right, because then you're not cumbered, you're not held back by the negative anymore. So then you can really probably move. But I'm sure that the time that it takes to learn what you need to learn there. You know, compared to here, because we base everything on, on us being in time that's linear, where when you're outside of, you know, a time that's linear, everything happens now. So you wouldn't be like, oh, I've been at this for 750,000 years because everything happens all at once. So 750,000 years would be an experience. And you wouldn't have this base of, of you know, our diurnal cycle to base it on. So you're no longer saying 
a year of Earth rotating around the the Sol, the star Sol, right? And that being 12 moons, 12 months, da-da-da, one year, blah, 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 364 and a quarter days, because all of that is only relative to here. Do you see? Once you get outside of, of our linear time field, where our past and our present and our future are separated, doesn't happen like that anywhere else. And then once you get past having evil being a pain in the ass and being in the way, everybody's down to business now. So Karen's 100% right. <laughs> Here we go. But is the spiral formed then? I am assuming that in this... So that would be like the first day of college, right, Karen? Because then now everybody's serious. You had high school. This is this is grammar school. You have high school. And you're getting a little bit more adult-like. And then eventually you go, okay, no more shenanigans. Everybody sit down at the table, pick up your books, let's go, right? So we're adults here. I don't have to remind you to come to class. No more partying at the bar the night before, schlepping in here 45 minutes late sleeping, right? This is when you're, when you're serious and you want to learn, right? So that's, that would be the beginning of the college, right? Particular octave, the experiment of the veiling and the extending of free will must have started, roughly, simultaneously in many, many of the budding or building galactic systems. Am I in any way correct with this assumption? Answer, I am Ra. You are precisely correct. This instrument is unusually fragile at this space-time and has used much of the transferred energy. We would invite one more full query for this working. Question 81.33 Questioner, actually, I don't have much more on this except to make the assumption that there must have been some type of communication throughout the octave so that when the first experiment became effective, knowledge of this spread rapidly through the octave and was picked up by other budding galactic spirals, you might say. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. This is correct. To be aware of the nature of this communication is to be aware of the nature of the logos. Much of what you call creation has never separated from the one logos of this octave and resides within the one infinite creator. Communication in such an environment is the communication of cells of the body. That which is learned by one is known to all. The sublogwa, then, have been in the position of refining the discoveries of what might be called the earlier sublogwa. May we ask if we may answer any brief queries at this working? Question 81. See, so ponder that for a minute. Right. Ponder that for a minute, what he just said right there, because that that kind of sums up the whole, you know, us being in charge of the matrix. Right. We just don't know that we're in charge of the matrix, just like we're all part of the one. We just don't know that we're all also born free, but we don't know that. Right. So the doubt that is the ego be set upon us by the powers that should not be creating the multiple, uh, um, you know, egos that reside outside of the body, like the Internet, like the, you know, the television, movies, all of that stuff. They recreate a separate ego to work on us from other angles to keep us in doubt, to keep everything. And you go on the Internet right now, you can't look up anything without having the rebut on there. And it's, you know, I, that's all bunk. This thing's proven to be fake, proven not to work, no definitive proof of anything, right? So it doesn't matter what it is that you look up. You can look up a gunshot, and they'll tell you the gun doesn't work, right? And there's no definitive proof that, that gun does anything whatsoever, 
But to have you believe that gun is the most dangerous thing on the face of the earth, far more dangerous than alcohol and drugs and, and racial violence, far more dangerous than a politician, a lawyer, a judge, a news anchor, rich, fat, old white men behind the scenes paying a billion dollars to try and get one guy elected to Congress. Okay, do you, do you understand that? <laughs> do you understand that? They do. They know what you don't know, and they know they know what you don't know. They know you don't know it. 1.34. Questioner, only if there is anything that we can do to make the instrument more comfortable or to improve the contact? Answer, I am Ra. It is difficult to determine the energy levels of the instrument and support group. Of this we are aware. It is, however, recommended that every attempt be made to enter each working with the most desirable configurations of energy possible. All is well, my friends. You are conscientious and the alignments are well. I am Ra. I leave you in the love and the light of the one infinite creator. Go forth, therefore, rejoicing in the power and in the peace of the infinite creator. Adonai. Let's see if this goes to 82 or if there's a third part. I didn't look that far ahead. That was March 22nd, 1982, session 81. Let's see what we're doing here. I think this is starting a new session, right? Yes, it is. Okay. So I am Rob. Let me pause it there. Instead of starting, because we only got about 10 minutes left, I think, I'll have to look at the... Let me go out back into the studio over here and see how much time we have left in this hour. Yeah, we're at, we got five minutes. Okay, so, camera back on. All right, so I'm not going to start and continue and, and roll over because I have a bad habit of doing that and staying too long on the air when I really don't need to. Okay, so that is uh, is a lot of stuff to think about, and then we have a lot of stuff coming up that's going to be good. We'll start right at the beginning of, of 82 next Friday. Uh, and, you know, one of these days we're going to end this whole thing, and we're going to get through 106 sessions. And then what am I going to do on Fridays, right? Uh, I already got plans. <laughs> There's other things in the works. There's more people that have been channeled and are being channeled around the world. So we'll be continuing down the path even after the Law of One, talking about all of this, the, you know, the spiritualism and the what's being kept from you or has been why we're in the predicament that we're in and how things work. I'm not trying to convince anyone. I'm not trying to sell a religion. I'm not trying to convince you that this is the way in any way. This is, I'm putting on the air for those of you who hear this and that this resonates with you. This is for you. This is I'm not trying to go after Joe Bob, whatever, you know, D Dorothy Downer or, or whatever. I'm not trying to go after the Christians and replace their religion with another religion in any way. That's not the, the purpose of what I'm doing. I'm a Christian minister. I'm not trying to replace Christianity. Not at all. <coughs> okay, because even Jesus, being a wanderer, was doing what he was doing and, and did it for a, a reason. I had this conversation with my brother, and, and he said, you know, um, well, Jesus died on the on the cross for all of our sins. And I said, well... Yes and no. I mean, I can't say he didn't do it because he did. He was there. <laughs> right? 
right? And did he did he die and take away all of our sins? Well, all of our sins were already taken away. So I think, in a sense, he was just showing us that by saying, "Look, I'll take the sins of the of the people." Uh, you know, and and how much of that was invented by the church afterwards is is another story, right? That's another conversation that he and I have been having for years. <clears throat> However. You can't say that Jesus is not the Son of God and was not sent here to do something because he was, just like I am and you are. We all are. It's just determined by what we choose and how big we choose to go to make a big ruckus here. Muhammad made a ruckus. <laughs> Moses made a ruckus. Jesus made a ruckus. John the Baptist made a ruckus. Okay, these guys went big. Go big or go home. They went big. And people remember their name thousands of years after they've been dead. Right? But then there's Achilles, right? There's Hercules or Heracles, depends on how you say it. Right? And Achilles. There's people in history that weren't doing a religious thing or a, or a spiritual thing. And they're just as, as known. They're just not followed because they weren't doing something spiritual. 20 years from now, you know, Mahatma Gandhi, what, is that going to be a, a saint? Is he going to be a, a, a followed religion? We don't know. Elvis Presley's turning into one, right? That the whole thing's kind of quieted down, but I was waiting for that to turn into a full-blown religion because people were acting like that, dressing like him. They still do, impersonating him, dressing like him, celebrating him, you know, the whole nines. That was just a rock and roll dude who got fat, old, and was on dope and died. I mean, what, did he pioneer some really, really great shit? Yeah, man, I grew up listening to old records that my mom and dad had of, of Elvis Presley. I mean, he was, he was a rock god. But so is Rob Halford. <laughs> so is Lemmy Kilminster, who died, and you don't hear people dressing up as Lemmy Kilminster. So it was a it was an anomaly and a phenomenon that he went big, right? You know, Tupac Shakur is going to be a religion pretty soon. They're trying to to wrap him up as a, he was assassinated like Jesus. See what I'm saying? So it depends on the circumstances, marketing, and whether or not you have people pushing an agenda. Whereas with Jesus, there was an agenda to convert people. So they were creating a religion. And, you know, and, and trying to convert people to follow Jesus and his and his word, which don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that was a bad thing to do. I'm just saying how much of it, you know, was put together at Council, Second Council of Nicaea or Nice, depending on, on, on your language interpretation. You know, how much of that, because we know that a lot of the books, there's more books missing from what they call the New Testament than there than there is originally in it. Because they didn't understand some of it and also didn't drive the narrative they were trying to drive. Okay. So, but then, you know, that, that's what happens when things get out of control. That's why churches want you to go there so they can teach you what it is the message is in a, in a way that uh, stays the same. Right? Because just like now on the Internet, uh, uh, people, you know, they're, they're all trying to figure things out and everybody's got a crazy theory about everything. And, and when you talk to somebody, you're just like, wait a minute, where did that come into play? When did that show up? Right? So theories about the universe and how things are going evolve by a person's perspective. 
that's why you have things like Grover's Mill back in the day when they did that, you know, uh, um, fake alien invasion from Mars. Orson Welles freaked people out. They thought there was real aliens. People are abandoning their houses and going out in the woods and looking for aliens with guns. People were scared to death. Okay, so that shows the level of technology at the time. The only thing that people had was radio. I mean, there was a, a, a television broadcast. I talked about this before. I think it was in the 80s. It could have been the 90s. They did the same thing. They broadcasted as if it were real live events, and there was a nuclear terrorist event, and, and it was here in the United States, and they actually detonated a nuclear uh, device, and it was all, everything was on film. right? They filmed it as if it were live and real, and people believed it to be that. They had to they had to uh, to tell everybody for like a, a month afterwards that was a fake television show. Because it was filmed live with the newscasters, there was just nobody that you knew. Well, that these days that happens because they cut to you know you're watching a network and they cut to some guy in Louisiana and he's a local guy that only the people in Louisiana know. So if you saw that happening and there was a, a ship in the harbor in Louisiana and there was some guy you've never seen before covering it and he got himself nuked, you would be like, wow, that's crazy because you don't know that that guy is just an actor, right? Because that happens in real life because not that people get blown up or stuff like that. But my point is you see people who are local and you've never seen them before and you may never see them again. Because they're local to that place, and newscasters move around from company to company or uh, move up in the company and move around to different jobs so often that it doesn't take long before everybody moves up. That's the whole purpose of getting in there is to get on the air and to be an anchor somewhere, right? You want a show. You want to be the show as soon as you can and hold on to it forever. Okay, so I think that was a really good look into more of the law of one that that we hadn't gotten into and that's coming up as well see that was the stuff that surprised me about the knowledge that was here in all of these books was that you you know you start in the beginning in the first freaking 10 15 20 sessions you're like what what can they talk about for 106 sessions how can they it's going to be redundant well in, in a sense it is but it's not so that's what's crazy because there's just this broad band that people don't pay attention to that we, we you know, unless you're paying attention, you don't even know is happening around you in, in that has involved you and what makes up your energy. But once you become aware of this, this is what those of you can gain who are not wanderers or don't care about any of that stuff. If you're spiritual, the, the knowledge that you can gain and the spiritual level that you can gain from listening to Everything that we talk about and everything that Raw talks about in these books will actually help you. Whether or not you are, are a, 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 you know, if you're an atheist, then you're not, you don't believe in religion, so you don't think that there's anything spiritual going on within you or anything else. So you're just, you know, you're only looking at one tenth of the equation. So you might as well just eat a banana and, you know, sit down in front of a computer and type in 0111001010110100111010 and just keep doing that until you fall asleep. You'll get the same results. You will. You'll figure out the universe just as quickly by doing that, right? Or sit in front of a wall and just hit your head on it. And just keep doing that continuously until you fall asleep or pass out. You'll figure out the universe just as quickly. 
Okay, and I hate to say that, right? But I've always thought that about science and scientists. And I'm a scientist, right? Physics was my major <laughs> in college, okay? So I'm not coming from a, a standpoint of a, I'm a dumbass guy who doesn't like, you know, uh, science. My, most of my relatives are involved in that. That's no joke. Two of my nephews. One is a nuclear physicist right now, or he will be. He can work on rockets now that he's graduated. He's going to go to work for NASA, for crying out loud. Okay? Or, you know, MIT if he's smart. <laughs> right? And my other nephew is is that man. Yeah, man, he's not even a man yet. He's still a teenager. I think he's going to be 18. I think he's almost 18. That kid is Sheldon. Right? So it's not like, you know, I'm coming from a, a place of, of, you know, I was a gas pumper at a gas station. You want fries with that? Right, and that's where I'm like, oh no, I don't cotton to that whole science thing. That's not me. Okay, I'm so far from that, you have no idea. And that's why when I talk about religion, people go, how can you do that and be a Christian minister? I just, I, I don't believe in organized religion. Religion is a money-making corporation. Okay, money-making corporation. Now, it works for some people, so I don't tell people or discourage them from doing it. And at some point, if I want to make money, I because I'm a, a, a minister, I can apply and go to work at some church and get paid to minister. So, you know, I'm not going to knock something that, that I could actually fall back on as a, as a job. Right? I'm not stupid. i got to eat, too. Okay. All right, guys. Namaste. Great night. Uh, I will be back next Friday unless I'm in the hospital or dead. <laughs> right? Today's Friday the 13th. I hope you're not superstitious, and even if you are, it doesn't matter because none of that's it's all bullshit. It's not true. All right, guys, have a great night. I love all of you. I love everyone. Uh, those of you who are listening to this on the MP3 file, you haven't been able to see my ugly mug the whole time. Uh, but that's okay because you can probably, like, make up some story. Take a look at a picture of Santa Claus. And then um, take him out of his red suit, and that's what I look like. Right? Santa Claus was drawn up looking like my people. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to become um, a minister. This is Peter saying that. It's easy to come and to minister. How would I become a minister? Right? So, you, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, to become a minister, you have to actually go and, and, and be, you know, become a minister. You have to pay for that. Then, you know, it, I learned more becoming a, a, a Catholic knight than I did to become a minister about ministering, about being a minister. Um, but the knights are very serious about, you know, you don't become a fourth degree. You have to be invited and vetted for that. You know, a certain personality and a certain uh, archetype gets to be a fourth degree and gets actually knighted and gets a surtitle in the, in the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. So... Uh, but you have to learn the, you know, when you're a brother knight, when you go through the first and the second and the third degree, there's a, a lot. It's a, it's a learning curve. There's a lot you have to know. You have to be able to live and know, um, you know, religion and uh, philosophical thought and, and um, you know, to be a minister and, to, and, and, and spiritualism. So, you know, a lot of people go to a, like a seminary for to become a priest, and it's the same thing. They teach you a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that some of it you never need. Um, some of it's crap.
<laughs> right? All right, Kevin, have a good day. All right, guys, have a good night. Uh, and a lot of it I always end up getting in discussions like I do with my brother about the whole semantics of it or about the whole reality of of all of the religions and, and, and spiritualism. I think everything should be more personal. That's why I'm doing the law of one. Um, have a good night, guys. I'll see you next week. Like I said, namaste.